Winneman went to Chief Callian Sisk and I stand off to the side of a bridge, not too far from Shasta Reservoir and where she and other Winneman went to live. We're on Dry Creek <laughs> Road at one of the uh, second bridges in, uh, we're about three miles from the village. In the summer, the bridge passes over a very dry creek bed. But it's December now, and water a few feet deep rushes past. A few months ago, just as heavy rain started up, she was here with her granddaughter. Maya, my granddaughter, we were riding home, and she was sitting in the back seat right behind me, and I was talking to on the phone, and the roadway here, from here at this point on, you lose signal. So I pulled over right here to finish my conversation, and she got out to come down to the stream. It was 2021, and at the time, Maya was five years old. And so she was at the stream and playing I in the... See, I see a water. Yeah, you see the water, and then... Maya yelled out, Salmon! <laughs> and then she come running up to the car, you know, saying, It's run for salmon. Grandma, it's run for salmon. Run for salmon. The Run for Salmon is an annual 300-mile prayer journey the Winnemum Wintu started the year Maya was born. Its purpose is to call salmon back to these and other waters of this area. At first, Chief Kellyn doubted Maya had really seen a salmon. No one had spotted one in this creek for decades. I didn't know it was a salmon, but I was like, yeah, I'm hoping it is. <laughs> She got out of the car and walked down to the creek. And to come down and see that, in fact, it is a salmon. Chief Kalin and Maya followed the fish a little ways upstream. When they lost sight of the salmon, they came back to the bridge where Maya wanted to play. And so we were playing, and she was in the water there, and uh, here they come downriver. The salmon had turned around. Several had swum back to the bridge to dig spawning nests in the middle of the creek. And uh, she goes, sing, Grandma. Maya knew the protocol. Her grandmother should sing. Can you point to me where you saw the salmon? Where did right, you see it? Right there. Right there. Right there. Yep. Right there. These were fall run Chinook salmon, named because they leave the ocean to migrate upriver in the fall. Of all the runs on the river, fall run are the most abundant, but their numbers have decreased a lot since the 1800s, and it's gotten even worse in the past few decades. Chief Kellyn remembers her uncle used to catch the fish on the property where she now lives, the place they call the village. They used to swim up here all the time, even to the village. My uncle would pitchfork them out from behind the village and, you know, cook them on the barbecue right there. But for decades, they've been gone. To see them in the creek with Maya and later to see them spawn was proof of concept for Chief Kellyn that salmon could be restored, both here below Shasta Reservoir and up above it on the McLeod, a river the Winnemum went to have a special relationship with. So it was, it was like a miracle, you know? It's like a prayer that's coming true. This is something that can actually happen. And those salmon already know it. And they're help, I feel like they're helping us to explain this to the fish experts who think 
well, they haven't been there for 30 years. They're not coming back. If we put those songs and prayers on the water, they respond. From KALW's The Spiritual Edge, this is A Prayer for Salmon, an audio documentary series about the Winnemumwintu people and their clash with Northern California's Shasta Dam. I'm Judy Silver. I'm here with Lila June Johnston again. She wrote an anthropology paper with the Winnemumwintu during her time at Stanford University, and she's also a musician. Hi, Lila. Hi, Judy. So, Lila, all of us think about the future, but there's a big difference in the way most Americans think about the future versus indigenous people. The American ideal has to do with creating technological fixes for our problems. So we're making electric cars. We're thinking about colonizing Mars. Well, Elon Musk, in his futuristic vision, sees people on Mars. Chief Colleen Sisk, in her futuristic vision, sees salmon in the McLeod River Basin. And of course, there are no salmon there right now. No, they were blocked by the Shasta Dam in the 1940s. And so her futurism is not about escaping Earth or doing something cool and fancy. It, in, my, in my opinion, it's more about taking care of the Earth that we have and restoring the vitality and the biodiversity of that life. Um, so a lot of indigenous futurism is ecologically based. How do we ensure that these life systems will be uh, available, not just to human descendants, but even to the children of bears? the children of eagles, the children of salmon. They're, to us, they're people too, even though they're not people. And so we really have our futurism tied up in our responsibility to take care of these things as they take care of us. A lot of indigenous futurism is about protecting water. You know, is there going to be clean water for future generations? Is there going to be water at all? Uh, and so I think that these are just, like you said, different ways. One is about you know, zooming around in electric cars as a, as a Band-Aid, really, for uh, our obsession with um, mastering nature. And the other one is more about how do we protect these languages and cultures that teach our children to live humbly on the earth. Chapter 11, The Return of Salmon. In the future envisioned by the Winnemumwintu, salmon are once again thriving in Northern California. They want salmon spawning in the McLeod River, where their ancestors lived up above Shasta Dam, where they have not been since the dam's construction. Seeing salmon in the McLeod again is also a goal of the federal government, though the Trump administration had mostly put reintroduction on hold. But by 2021, planning had picked up. And for the Winnemumwintu, these conversations felt different. The government was requesting input in a more collaborative way. Chief Colleen told me she was attending a lot of Zoom meetings. We're on a Zoom call, and if it's not with the state water board about the fish, it's with NOAA and the U.S. Fisheries and California Fish and Game. With so many meetings, she'd lose track of what each one was about. And it's like, it has one little piece, but it's not that meeting. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, I, I'm confused. Wait, You're so confused? You... 
<laughs> so, like, so, so you're saying, like, sometimes you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah, sometimes I f it feels like, oh, I need to say this to these guys. And then they'll say, it's like, oh, we're not doing that project. All of these government officials had one goal. They wanted eggs from an endangered population, the winter-run salmon, in the McLeod River. The cold waters could help protect them from drought, which is coming more frequently and for longer periods in California. Their plan to deal with Shasta Dam was to truck juveniles around it. Chief Colleen had opinions about that. Our thing is that um, we're in favor of the truck and haul for at least a couple years. But after that, she wanted a natural passageway built. It would reroute the salmon around the dam by way of tributaries and creeks. Possibly a tunnel would also be needed for at least a short stretch. But the big idea was to let fish swim on their own out to the ocean and back. This isn't the focus of current government plans. So on those Zoom calls, Chief Kellyn is always bringing it up. She also has a different idea about where to source salmon eggs for the McLeod. We are not in favor of using hatchery fish. The government wants to use winter-run eggs from a hatchery. But the Winnemum went to... We are pushing for eyed eggs from New Zealand. These are the fish we want. More than a century ago, eggs from the McLeod and other nearby creeks were shipped to New Zealand. Ever since, the fish have swum in that country's cool mountain waters. The Winnemum went to feel an affinity for the New Zealand fish. These are the salmon they want. But the U.S. government has resisted the idea. Instead, they prefer winter-run hatchery eggs because the winter-run are in trouble. In the spring of 2022, government officials were scared. This was kind of early on in the season, but it was the driest January, February, March we had had on record. Kathy Marsinkevich is an administrator with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. California was in a drought. A couple of staff and I came out of some really depressing meetings where we saw those projections and said, you know, we need to figure out what we can do. Chinook salmon have a three-year life cycle. The drought had wiped out winter run eggs for two years running. If it happened yet another year, that could be the end of winter run, the end of a salmon population not found anywhere else in the world. The agency realized it had to move fast. They decided to plant adult winter run in the upper part of Battle Creek, a tributary of the Sacramento River. To put them into Battle Creek, where there are cooler waters, and that, you know, got fish into a part of that river that hadn't been there for 100 years. Then they thought about the McLeod River. Could they get fish up there? It would be a year earlier than planned. NOAA officials approached the Winnemumwintu. We did start talking to the tribe just to say, so you know, it's a really bad year. We don't want this run to go out on our watch. We're doing what we can. We have these other actions. There's one we maybe want to seize this opportunity to try to take. What do you think? And we started the conversations. A lot of things are problematic. The government wasn't going to move forward without Winnemum Wintu buy-in. 
But in May of 2022, Chief Kellyn Sisk was still thinking. She weighed the pros and cons. Gas, getting there, our time, our knowledge. These may sound trivial compared to a fish going extinct. But the Winnemum Wintu haven't forgotten the mistreatment and broken promises of the past two centuries. They resent being called in to contribute time and money without much compensation. And they're using fish that they absolutely know that we have been objecting to using at all. They want to save the winter run. They want to do this. They want to do that. They want us to work for free to get her done because we can't possibly let the winter run die off after all these years of them killing them every year. It's like, it's our, it's our emergency now <laughs> to save the salmon. You're listening to A Prayer for Salmon from The Spiritual Edge. We're a production of KALW Public Radio in San Francisco. If you missed any episodes of this series, they're all available wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website to see all the beautiful photos that we have. You can find us at thespiritualedge.org. The winter run population has teetered for a long time, most of it due to government policies. Dan Bakker is a journalist who keeps a close watch on the fish. He thinks about where they used to swim before Shasta Dam. See, these fish went up into the tributaries of the Sacramento, the McLeod River, the upper Sacramento River, um, the Pitt River to spawn. And they went way up into the higher elevations. They ascended waterfalls. Um, to spawn in the mountains. And that's where they developed that over many, many uh, millions of years. After Shasta Dam's construction, winter run numbers went down, but they still maintained a healthy population. Even after the dam was built, there was 117,000 fish. But then the federal government built another dam, the Red Bluff Diversion Dam. Below Shasta, it further restricted how far the winter run could migrate. It devastated the population. In 1989, winter run made the endangered species list. And then it went down, plummeted to a low of just 200 fish in 1992. The government took precautions. It built the winter run hatchery, eventually took the Red Bluff Dam offline. They also got more careful with Shasta Dam cold water releases so the winter run would have better temperatures for spawning. It restricted commercial fishing in the ocean. But winter run numbers have stayed low. Fishery officials feared any calamity on the Sacramento River would wipe them out. Then drought arrived and forced the issue. NOAA officials wanted to fast-forward reintroduction of Chinook salmon on the McLeod River— and in the end, the Winnemumwintu agreed. They would help and do their best to ensure the plan's success. In exchange, Chief Kaleen wanted a promise from the government that within a few years, the New Zealand salmon would be here. So, um, tell me about, tell me about what's 
going to happen? What do, you, what do you think is going to happen? So we did our flow test here. Chief Colleen Sisk and Matt Johnson, an environmental scientist with the California Fish and Wildlife Service, stand on a small gravel beach next to the noisy waters of the McLeod. So how do you feel about this spot here? If Chief Colleen agrees to this spot, winter-run salmon eggs could be hatching here for the first time in about 80 years. And so I wanted... Uh, you to get smoked off. Chief Colleen tells Matt Johnson they'll do a cleansing ritual, smudge him off with the smoke of a lit root. Since you're representing those people who are going to be, you know, they're going to be here, they're going to try to take care of the, what we call them noor, the, uh, the noor or the salmon. They used to be here a long time ago. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not here now, but we and the river want them back. He removes his cap. He stands with arms slightly outstretched, palms facing the river, eyes closed, as a tribal member waves the smoke around. He tells me later he had no idea any kind of ceremony would happen. I did not dress for it. <laughs> I'm in flip-flops and <laughs> <in> shorts. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't have a tradition in a church or anything, uh, so I'm... I haven't had a lot of experience with a ceremony. Best I could say is I, I, I felt something from the experience and uh, it was an honor to be a part of it. Matt Johnson tells me for the past 20 years, he's worked with salmon on the tributaries of the Sacramento River. And over that time, he's watched the fish decline. He says this area could still support robust salmon populations. But California would need to rethink how it manages its rivers. Our water management in the last 20, 30 years is such that salmon are barely hanging on. Nature used to command the river. Now it's humans. Normally in the fall and winter months, water would gush down the Sacramento River with the rains. Migrating salmon evolved to use those conditions, but over time, more and more water has been saved and diverted for cities and farms. And now, because of climate change, California has less to go around. Salmon populations are suffering. They're relying on those few wet winters or wet cycles we get, and we, we, we see a, a response from salmon in those years, and then we get right back into drought conditions. So when I was praying and stuff, I could feel like my great-grandma, Chokey, would be, be growing up in this village as a little girl. This would be her life way. Chief Kellyn's great-grandmother was born at a Winnemumwintu village here in about 1871. 25 years later, the village site passed into the hands of a wealthy San Francisco family as did other land along much of the McLeod River. Eventually, the National Forest Service acquired this land and turned it into a campground. Even though Chief Kellyn would have preferred salmon eggs from New Zealand, she still gets emotional imagining any salmon swimming in the river. She thinks about the young Winnemumwintu. You know, maybe we have that chance now to make it happen again so that Maya could see that or, you know, Star or Rose or Lily. 
all of the little ones. To see salmon again on the McLeod. And give them that strength, you know, to, to be good people. That's what I feel like they'll, that they'll bring this goodness. They'll bring the goodness back. Can you believe that this is happening? Well, I am skeptical. <laughs> I'm pretty skeptical, but, but I want it to be done right. Two weeks later, we're back at the same place. This time, the campground is full with Wintu supporters and biologists from state and federal agencies, all here to see salmon eggs go in the McLeod. Sweating in the hot sun, Jamie Ward and other Wintu men construct a circular ceremonial structure called an arbor. Uh, well, right now it's just a skeleton of what uh, will look like. It's just our poles that are upright and our and then our strengthening um, horizontal poles that are we're connecting. When it's done, they'll light a sacred fire in the center and cover an outer ring of posts with Douglas fir boughs. Not for only shade, but just the overall presence of uh, what we're doing here, which is we're going to dance here for the hopefully the beginning journey of our salmon. In just a few hours, winter-run salmon eggs will be placed in incubation barrels down at the river. So that's why it's important for us to lay down a very good um, uh, ceremony here and lay down our prayers here. David Martinez is an elder in the tribe. He stands watching off to the side. We've got pictures of my grandfather holding salmon. He was six foot tall, salmon chest high, and their tails touching the ground that he pulled out of the McLeod River. I want to see it work. I want to bring my relatives home. It's for all of humanity, and it's all, it's all for the earth. Every living critter, every, every tree, every bush, and for the water. We gotta bring them home. The excitement felt by the Winnemont-Wintu is in part fed by a co-management agreement the government is preparing. It details a multi-million dollar budget that includes paying for Winnemont-Wintu time, studies for a natural passageway around Shasta Dam, and pathogen testing for the New Zealand salmon so they can be brought here. It's a big deal. Jason Roberts works for the state of California as a tribal liaison. We had always been working with the Winnemont-Wintu tribe, but it wasn't always in a co-management full participation level uh, like it is now. Before, Chief Kellyn tried hard to get onto a committee in charge of exploring reintroduction, but the federal government wouldn't allow it because the Winnemont-Wintu are not federally recognized. I don't think you're gonna go find any specific policy paper, but I think there's been a pretty apparent shift at the state and federal level to seek out co-management and bring in the tribes as full participants in a lot of different projects. Still, Chief Kellyn doesn't fully trust it, and already she feels slighted. Without her input, agency officials decided to drive instead of helicopter salmon eggs here. We're not bringing the eggs from New Zealand, flying them halfway around the world to bounce down this road. The road to get here is unpaved, bumpy, and steep. You put it that way. It's like, just yeah. throw them <laughs> Yeah, it's like, Good it argument. doesn't make sense. <laughs> she complains to a few government officials when they meet in the middle of a path that circles the campground. 
She's afraid this sets a precedent for later. You know, your science says it's going to be fine. Our spirituality doesn't allow that because your science has not produced enough fish coming back. We're not trying to um, stop the project or not trying to, you know, make, make it difficult. But we, we do have an obligation and a, a privilege to these fish. I appreciate you working with us on this and, yeah. and helping us. And what time do you think the eggs are going to be here? So we think that they're on the road now. So we're probably about an hour and a half out. When the winter run eggs arrive, it's almost anticlimactic. Taylor Lipscomb from the Livingston Stone National Fish Hatchery helps pull a small orange Home Depot cooler from the back of an SUV. Um, so this is a five-gallon cylindrical cooler with uh, 20,000 winter run eggs in it, in water. It could be filled with lemonade. Somehow, I expected more. Early this morning, a small crew at the hatchery counted the eggs out by hand. The eggs are 30 days old and will hatch in about two weeks. Near the arbor, the cooler at their feet, Chief Kalin and Taylor Lipscomb talk logistics. And we're going to sing uh, the wire song, the Hukchonas um, for the eggs, the Lindara Noor. We're asking these to become. Lindara Noor means old-time salmon. <coughs> they remember to be those old-time salmon in this water because they haven't been there for right. 80 years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> As everyone watches, Chief Kalin's daughter and niece pick up the cooler, step into the center of the arbor, and circle clockwise around the sacred fire. And the intent was to... Um, have the sacred bless those eggs. This is the first sacred fire the Winamamwitu have had at this village site, likely in over 100 years. And so it was an important thing for us to bring them in. It's like um, our belief is whatever happens to the salmon happens to us. The young women navigate the steep, narrow trail down to the river. Behind them follow a few Winamamwitu children, Chief Kalin and Taylor Lipscomb, the fisheries biologist who brought the eggs. He helps the children scoop the eggs into a camping cup and then empty them into an incubation barrel. From about 200 feet away, a tube carries the river's cold water into a barrel where the sediment can settle out. The clarified water then flows into a second barrel where the eggs will hatch. Once that happens, the baby salmon with the yolk sac still attached will sink down to another tray that's full of gravel. Here, they'll stay and absorb the yolk until finally they're ready to swim out into the river. Uh, I would like to ask the agency people to come up. In a ceremony that follows, Chief Kalin calls the 10 federal and state agency people here into the center of the arbor. Uh, we would like to take you around the fire. We would like to smoke you off so that um, maybe you see things in a different way after this. Maybe you'll feel things in a different way. You'll in front of the sacred fire, she invites each one of them to speak. It's emotional. These are people who work with the salmon all the time. Personally, my colleague and I, we work a lot on salmon below Shasta Dam. 
and the past decade it's just been bad news after bad news. We've been just monitoring the demise of salmon and, and this is one of the few moments that's soul nourishing and inspiring and motivating. So it's good. There's a lot of hope at this ceremony, a lot of imagining what could be. But Chief Kalin knows this is not a fairy tale ending. The work is not done. She turns 70 in a few months and she's tired. She wants fish in the river and in her lifetime. She wants to know that she set salmon and the Winnemawintu on a good path. We're, we're so showing the traditions of these salmon coming back. You see these little people in regalia? They're five years old. They have a long way to go with these salmon. And it's going to continue, so you, you need to deal with us. That's her message to the government, that the Winnemawintu's connection to the McLeod and salmon is only going to grow. For the first time in her lifetime, young Winnemawintu are seeing salmon eggs on their own river with their own eyes. Chief Kalin says if the salmon can come back, maybe the tribe can bounce back as well. The music you're listening to is In the River by Ray Zaragoza. A Prayer for Salmon is a project of The Spiritual Edge at KALW Public Radio. We have lots of beautiful photos from this series. Go to thespiritualedge.org and check them out. You won't be disappointed. I'm Judy Silber. Thanks for listening. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.